Well, um, I'm going to start with a bit of a shocking uh, question, okay? But it's not an announcement, okay? It's just a question. It's just for impact. It's just for effect, okay? What would you do this morning if I announced that uh, Chrissy was leaving? Or I, I, was, I was going to another church? Or Jake, Jake was not returning from paternity leave? Or Stephanie was uh, moving on? Or Gina, after just a few months, is deciding this isn't her, her thing? Right? What, what, how would you feel? What would we do? We'd, we'd grieve as a church, we'd talk to the person, and we'd start to pray for what's next. Um, so here's the question. Who? <laughs> who, who would come in and fill uh, our, our staff, our, our full and our part-time uh, ministry staff? Where would we gather those people from? Um, whether you uh, like it or not, the landscape of ministry, uh, any type of full or part-time ministry, whether it's in a church, a parachurch organization, the, the missions field, uh, full or part-time authors, Christian musicians, anyone who gives their occupation, uh, their vocation to some sort of Christian ministry, the landscape has changed. And over the past 10 years, and specifically since the pandemic, um, full and part-time uh, vocational Christian ministry uh, has just gone down. The number of people uh, choosing that as part of their life just continues to decline. Um, Bible colleges, including Emmanuel Bible College here in Kitchener, have suffered, uh, decreased, changed, or closed over the past 10, 5, 2 years. Uh, they, they can't make a goal of it. There's not enough students, they're not enough, uh, high school students, mature students, coming in, being trained in ministry. They just can't make a go of it. Um, I, I saw a study by Barna. So this is a group who um, uh, does all sorts of great research in North America, in, um, in the church, and in Christian circles. And they asked this question of pastors in the States. Have you given real serious consideration to quitting being in full-time ministry within the last year? In January 2021, uh, 413 lead pastors responded to this question, and 29% said, yes, I've given real, actual consideration to quitting because ministry is so difficult in this season. 71% said no. A little more than a year later, just a, just a year ago, in March 2022, they asked the same question. And this time, 510, so more than 100 more lead pastors in the States responded, and this time, 42% said, yes, I'm considering giving up full-time ministry, giving up my call. I just can't do it anymore for various reasons. But the current pool of who we draw from for Christian ministry, church ministry, Bible college professors, parachurch, working with the poor, whoever it may be, some type of occupational call to some sort of ministry, that pool is dwindling. What about missions? Because if you've been involved in church in some time, um, you might think of missions. And, and the landscape has changed for missions as well. I'll give you an example. Uh, on October 20th of this month, uh, a movie came out from National Geographic, a documentary. It was released very narrowly, so we'll have to wait to watch to stream it. It's called The Mission. It came out in one theater in Toronto, in Ontario, for like a couple nights, so I didn't get to go see it, but I'm looking forward to it. And it follows the death, uh, life and death, of 26-year-old John Allen Chow, 
who in 2018, after feeling a call to missions and following um, mentors and um, others, felt called to an unreached people group on an island, and so went about Bible college and making plans and went on his own, landed on the island, thought he could reach these people, and was killed. A review by the Gospel Coalition, so this is um, not just an internet review, so this, the Gospel Coalition is a, um, a reformed uh, group of pastors and organization, they put out good stuff, this is a good review. Here's what they said about, at least a piece of what they said about this movie. Viewers of the mission are likely to see it in what they want to see, see in it what they want to see. Sympathetic Christians might see Chow's story as an inspiring tale of martyrdom. Secular skeptics will likely find more fodder for their perception of evangelical stupidity. Mixed reviews all over the place, but the question still stands, does that kind of global missions, is it even necessary anymore? There's not many people going into it. Where do we get these people from? And it seems like we have a problem. Because if we're going to continue as the church in the ways we have in the past, relying upon the staffing and people to do the ministry the way that we have expected in the past, we're in, we're in a lot of trouble. <laughs> it's just not sustainable. So today I want to focus on something I've never preached on before, and I want to say right off the bat that volunteering, we don't like to use the word volunteering, but I'm going to for this morning, okay? Volunteering and serving is as valuable as giving your full attention and life to ministry. We're a part of a body. Everyone has different roles. Me being a pastor is no different than someone being an accountant and serving in their community, or being a teacher and serving in Sunday school or whatever your occupation is, or whatever type of homemaker you are, whatever type of student, and then how God uses you as salt and light where you're planted, as well as getting involved in the church in general, maybe serving in your local church here at Country Hills, or in a community organization, using your gifts. They're all equal, but part-time and full-time ministry are different. They're equal, but they're different. And so I want to speak to that this morning, because I have a heart that uh, a heart belief that there are some people here and some people watching online, whether you are young or a teen or a young adult or in well into your adulthood, that there may be something that God has put on your heart. And there, I've known many people who've gone into pastoral ministry or compassionate ministry or missions later in life. I know many kids who I've seen their trajectory going through and God continues to do that. And I want to speak to that this morning. Because I think that God is stirring something in somebody's heart. To consider going beyond what you're doing now. Or taking steps towards something. Some type of part or full-time vocational ministry. Either like pastoral or in church or working with youth. Or the poor or mission or whatever it may be. Because we need that still. The landscape's changing. It's going to look different. But we still need that. And because we don't have the kind of recruiting things and all the stuff that I went through, and I'm going to share a bit of my story, I thought, you know, God put it on my heart, especially on a baptism day where we're taking these important steps that there may be some who God is stirring for a primary calling of serving him with their whole life, some sort of job, work, whatever that may be. And so I want to encourage you to make one of two steps today. So we're talking about what's next. For some of you, it will be a new step. 
God's stirring something and you need to step out in faith in something new. I'll explain what I mean by that. For some of you, it's a not yet step. God is leading you somewhere. You can't quite see it, some sort of vocational ministry, whether it's Christian artist, musician, author, pastor, working with a community organization, whatever it may be. It's kind of fuzzy. And you're not there yet, but he's, he's stirring in your heart to prepare you. And you've got some steps to take along the way to get there. So I want to just begin by asking, what is God stirring in your heart? I don't know, but I'm convinced there's some here who God is already working that in you. There's a guy by the name of Abraham in the Old Testament. You may know him. He's a pretty central figure. It's through Abraham that God raises up the people of Israel. And God makes a covenant with Abraham. Uh, Through him, Israel would be formed, and they would get the promised land, and through them, all people would be blessed. And in Genesis 12, 1 to 4, we read this. The Lord said to Abram, so his name had not yet been changed by God to Abraham. He's still Abram. This is early on in his life. In fact, it was in Genesis 11, just a few verses earlier, that we first see him in the Bible at all. So this is pretty early for Abram. The Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. They'd already kind of left uh, homeland. They're kind of part way, and they're setting up camp and getting ready to do their life. And God says, I'm not done with you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. And they they were through Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of Abraham and son of God, fully human, fully God. And we are recipients of that blessing. Verse four is most important. So Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. He was an older guy. I'm not saying 75 is old, okay? It's older, okay? It's older. And uh, God's still working on him. But Abraham departed. Whatever your experience is, wherever you're feeling a stirring in your heart, there has to be a departing. It doesn't necessarily mean that you will leave your home or your land or anything like that, but there has to be some sort of a decision on your part to step out to something new or to something not yet. What's God stirring in your heart? I want you to think about that. I want you to focus on that as we hop into the New Testament. What is God stirring on your heart? Luke 14, 25 to 35 says this. A large crowd, because Jesus talked about this too, a large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, if you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Some of you are like, sign me up. Sign me up for this hate everyone else. (laughs) Exactly like Matt said this morning. You just want to come and get out. There's more. He doesn't stop there, okay? Your father and your mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, You cannot be my disciple. In our last teaching series on This Is Church, we talked a lot about family and what church family is. And Jesus is in no way saying, deny your family, reject them, don't treat them well. He's saying you have a different family. You have a new family that supersedes or overrides your biological or your immediate family or those you live with and consider family. To truly serve Jesus, we need to have his priorities. And so when Jesus said this, if you're familiar with the Bible and you have been following Jesus for some time, you hear, take up my cross and follow me, you hear Jesus on the cross. Jesus says this before he even 
said anything about the cross, before his disciples knew anything, that he would go to the cross, but they knew it was a Roman form of execution. They had seen people carry the beams through the streets, and there was a heavy burden. And Jesus is saying, if you're going to follow me, you need to take up this burden that I will place on you. But he also says in Matthew 11 that Jesus' burden is light. He talks about a yoke. So a yoke is that wooden piece that goes between two oxen. And even when there's a strong one and a small one, the weight is distributed. Now, you want two equal oxen, so they pull together evenly and don't go in a circle. But Jesus helps bear the burden. The burden he places on us is light. The yoke he has on us is easy. When he places a call on our life, the cross that we all carry, whatever it may be, whatever your calling is, you may have a vocation and serve God voluntarily. And others will, that'll be a blend of it. Like me, pastor, my work and home and life with Jesus, it's all, it's all a blend. One is not better than the other. They're just different. But in order to walk in that bearing the cross as a full-time, part-time, as someone who is vocationally serving God, you must depart. Jesus has more instructions on what that might look like. Verse 28, but don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might, not, uh, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 2,000 soldiers marching against him? And if he can't, he would send out a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. In other words, if you're going to give up everything to follow Jesus... One not being the other, but if it's a vocational thing, you need to count the cost. Otherwise, as we've seen, there have been many who thought, well, I'll do this or I'll do this. They haven't considered the cost. They haven't got their life in order. They haven't followed Jesus well, and they've fallen or make it a fool of themselves or really brought shame on the church. It's costly. It's a burden. There's something there. So be realistic about what God is calling you to. You know, there was, I think, a time and a season where um, being a pastor or full-time you know, missionary, someone who's serving God with their job and their, their full life, kind of had this celebrity status. And more so in the States, we have these mega church pastors, and that's still kind of a thing there. It's not so much in Canada. I think we have the reverse, actually, and that's why I'm sharing this this morning. So if we are supposed to carry our cross, if we're supposed to count the cost as God is stirring this in your heart, where does that go to? Well, Jesus isn't done because there's a purpose to carrying the cross, counting the cost. Verse 34, he continues, salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how will you make it salty again? Flavorless salt is good neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It's thrown away. Anyone with ears to hear should hear and understand. God's kingdom is supposed to be full of salty people. We flavor and shine light into the dark places, our school, our friend group, where we work, the people we hang out with, the hockey arena, wherever you spend your time, we bring light. But those for whom God is calling to a something more, some sort of a, 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 a calling, a lifelong ministry, it's like he's saying, uh, I'm not just calling you to sprinkle salt everywhere. 
I'm turning you into a salt shaker, and I'm going to pour you out. And there's a burden, and there's a cost, but there's blessing and good. So for some of you, it may be different. Again, one is not better than the other. They're just simply different. And I don't think we hear enough calling, enough preaching, enough encouragement to consider what God might be stirring, regardless of your age, of what God might be doing in you, because he's got something down the road not yet visible. I think probably for me, I first um, felt the call when I was really young. And my parents tell me that when I was little, I used to stand in the middle of the kitchen and lead singing and stuff like that. And so I always had kind of this spiritual sensitivity. And eventually, at some point, as, as a boy here at Country Hills, there were some leaders who saw some things in me and gave me some opportunity. And I had to make choices um, to, to step into some leadership opportunities I, in my late elementary and junior high and high school years. And some of those were, were costly. And so there were people who gave me a shot at doing something more. And uh, the interesting thing about Abraham, as he departed and as he went through things, he made a mess of things. He was a liar. He, he deceived people. He, he, just, he, he did things as his family he shouldn't have done. And he should have made a mess of it, but God worked in spite and through all of those things, and I was no different. So for as many uh, mentors and Sunday school teachers and people who thought, you know, um, I think there's something maybe there, especially uh, Pastor Mark Bolander, my pastor who saw something in me, gave me opportunity. There were others who, like, signed off on me. They gave me a shot and were like, no, thank you. Give you an example. So when I was about grade 11, I think, I had opportunity to plan what's called the 30-hour famine. So it's a lock-in. For 30 hours, you fast for 30 hours, you raise money for World Vision. Awesome, wonderful. I helped me and a friend. Uh, we planned that underneath the youth pastor, and they gave us like the whole weekend. We planned a lot of that. I got sent home the first night because I was behaving so poorly with my friends and causing a mess, right? Great leader, wonderful calling. So I had people who kind of were like, yeah, I was mistaken, like, couldn't possibly be. The journey forward is a little bit of a mess. But throughout high school, I really had this desire to go into design, drafting. I was always kind of uh, pulled towards form and function, graphic design. I really wanted to be a draftsman, maybe, um, you know, design buildings and stuff like that. And I remember in around grade 11, and it was just after uh, I had rededicated my life to uh, at a winter camp here, uh, our, our winter retreat, our youth winter retreat, and I got baptized right after that. Um, so this is a good Sunday to talk about that because it was right after that, just like some of you decided at Change Conference to make some decisions. I did too. And I remember sitting in high school at my drafting table, and, and I just, I didn't like it anymore. Like the desire just started to go. I, I felt called to something else, but I wasn't sure. And I started to think, because I was serving at camps, and I, I took any opportunities I could locally at the church here. I was, like, volunteering wherever I could. I spent summers on missions teams or up at camp, and denominationally, I, I did stuff. I started to leave my school group, my Christian high school school group. So I was taking all these opportunities as I grew, but I, I knew that something else needed to, needed to happen. So I applied for a youth builder team. My oldest daughter, Alyssa, served on that. That was the final one. It was something that Gavin really was um, involved in and, and led. And I thought I was a shoe-in for that, for my gap year after grade 12. 
I didn't make the team, and so I did the only other thing I thought I could was apply for Bible college. Because I kind of thought that, okay, it's not design, it's not drafting, I like camp, I like youth group, I like fun. Youth pastor seems like a great job, because you like sleep in, and you like play dodgeball, and you have this massive impact on students, and you suddenly become the cool guy, right? Everybody loves you, and I thought, this stuff, sign me up for that. I was wrong. That's not what it is at all, but I thought that. And so I signed up for EBC because I had gone to a bunch of college look-in days because it got me out of school for one full day, okay? So I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest. But God did all those things because he was doing something not yet. And it was in my first year in a chapel that was extended. I talked a few weeks ago about my first year at Bible college. We had uh, some renewal breakout. We had chapels extended and lots of prayer and It was a phenomenal time for me. And after a particular speaker, he was talking about this same type of stuff. And God placed on my heart Psalm 46 and some of the first verses in Isaiah and some of the first things in Jeremiah 6, uh, Isaiah 6 and Jeremiah 1. And my calling became clear through those verses. And I could see for the first time that I'm going to serve God somehow fully. I never aspired to. Um, never had it, you know, lead pastor as uh, working my way up, and I still don't see it as that. I work primarily as a, an associate pastor and with youth and small groups and worship and then stepped over into lead pastor role. I'm just happy and willing to depart from where I am now to what God has next. But it wasn't easy. There was a cross and there was a cost. My first church was a small uh, rural church. In fact, um, um, Rob Campbell, who's preached here a, a few times, um, was in my first youth group, and Angie, his, his wife. And it was a, small, a smaller rural church, and uh, I was working 20 hours, paid for 20 hours, working about 30, and I had to subsidize uh, the rest of my income, so I worked on a pig farm about another 30 hours, and it was just nuts, my first few years of ministry and getting involved. But God used that, and I remember uh, standing Um, out in the foyer with a man named Clarence Hunking because I really thought that I should be youth pastor here. And there was an opportunity to be youth pastor here after I graduated Bible college. And, And that team, the search team, didn't choose me. And again, devastating. Like, I don't understand. Like, I thought youth builders and none. I met this wonderful girl at Bible college, Stephanie, and we got married and we're ready to go. And I, and I was already interning here and they said no. And I remember Clarence Hunky standing right up here in this foyer saying, this is the best thing that could ever happen to you. And I'm like, what are you talking about? But what formed me through working on pig farms and, and working as an associate pastor, doing all sorts of stuff, in the two churches I worked in before I came back here, formed me. The road to where God has you not yet, you can't see clearly. But you've got to be willing to depart. You've got to be willing to step out. Do the new thing that he's asking you to do or do the not yet thing he's asking you to do. So what's the difference? I see them as different, these steps. A new step is something you're not yet doing. So there's an opportunity uh, volunteering um, with, with youth, being a youth leader or in children's ministry or setting up chairs or being part of the candy carnival or whatever it may be, something new. Uh, volunteering at your school or at a community organization, growing in your heart for the poor by serving meals every week doing something new. God's stirring. You do something new. That's one kind of step he asks you to take to depart. Another kind of step is that not yet. And these type of steps are things he uses to form you. 
So it may not be that you're doing something new, but he's qualitatively and quantitatively growing you. In other words, I remember there was a point where I was having kind of consistent quiet times. It was sort of okay. And God said, uh, if you want to grow and really, you, you got to be serious about your relationship. Stop like dialing it in and actually learn to listen to me and relate to me. If I wanted to be a good youth pastor, I had to get trained. Popularity was, couldn't be the, the thing. Um, and so I, I went through a lot of hard times. I had to sit. I remember sitting with elders at one church because the way I had, you know, walked with families and stuff was, was insensitive. And they were right. And I had to sit, like, with the elders board and these families who were like, you got to change. God was asking me to take some not yet steps to grow and develop. And so sometimes that's a quantitative thing. You're taking on more. So whereas you were, you know, attending maybe youth one week a month, maybe you're to be consistent or you're, you know, you're kind of interested in serving in the library. Now you're taking that on. Uh, You've taught once or twice with kids or youth or adults in a small group. Now you're taking on a small group or you're overseeing a small group ministry or you're something more. So that's a quantitative thing, not yet. There's qualitative things where God is growing you so that the skills and things you're learning, you'll be able to do that not yet thing. Because you're not ready yet. None of us are ready. And I'm still on a journey. I've not arrived. You've not arrived. But what I'm trying to ask you is, what is God stirring in your heart? And because he's stirring something towards something, what step are you going to do? Because if Abraham didn't depart, he, he cut off the journey and the growth that God had in him. So let, let me morph that question a little bit to what new or not yet step is God asking you to take? What new or not yet step is God asking you to take? I'm convinced that there are people here who aren't yet walking in the more that God has for you. There's people here, there's there's kids and there's adults and there's teens and young adults who God is is working some things in you because he has something more. Remember, like ministry, working at parachurch organizations, compassionate ministries, whatever it might be in a church is not better than someone who volunteers. It's just simply different. But we don't hear enough that it's an option. And we don't open our hearts enough to the reality that God is calling us to depart. And that video we watched earlier, that Use Me, you think of each of those characters. You think of Gideon. You think of Rahab. You think of Peter. They started in a place, and there was a call on their life, and they had to make some tough choices, some new steps, some not yet their steps. And I want to encourage you today that you would listen to that. This, this may be an external step. You're doing something. Maybe it's something internal. That you allow God to take that passion for playing piano and he would craft that into a, a life of leading worship. That God would take that love for kids and he would grow that into being one who understands the development of children and what they need and how to disciple them in Christ as a children's ministry worker. That God would take your heart for um, new Canadians and maybe grow that into a lifelong ministry of working with an organization who helps people come, be landed, and find Jesus in Canada. Maybe you've got a heart um, for administration and you're really good at strategies and things. 
And there are organizations who are just desperate for someone who has a heart for people and a heart for the gospel and a heart for discipling others who can keep them organized so they can do this stuff they need to do and, uh, you know, write drafts and get grants from the government and all this stuff. You, you may not see that as a, as a gifting or a calling, but it is. Different. But I want you to consider what God is stirring in you and what new or not yet step God is asking you to take. Because here's the reality, and I'll stop with this this morning. You will never regret trying something new or doing something along the journey, not yet. Taking on more responsibility, digging in deeper with Jesus, taking a course, growing. You'll never regret doing that. You will always regret the opportunities you let pass by you because they weren't convenient, they were difficult, because they felt like a cross, because they felt like a burden, and you hadn't sat down and counted the cost in order to see how God wanted to transform you into a salt shaker. He could just shake out in the world and cause dramatic widespread change through your life. I say this all the time. Our library, our YouTube, everything's filled with these finished stories of people, and we look at the end result and think, I could never be there. And what we ignore is they're just like us. They simply had a choice, and they took a step of faith. They were willing to depart where they were. doesn't mean you're going to travel across the world or depart your home. It might mean that eventually. So what new or not yet step is God asking you to take? And if you feel a stirring for something more, that God is working something in you, here's what I encourage you to do. Even before you take a step, tell someone. Tell me, tell a friend, tell a parent. Tell someone who can hold you accountable and can walk with you through that. Because if you just wrestle with that on your own, you're going to be less likely to move ahead and look back with some regret. I am absolutely convinced that there are some people here for whom God is doing something different. Not better, just different. And I want to encourage you to depart, step out, and see what God does through your life. Would you stand with me as we pray? Father, thank you that you know each person by name. You know the future and the past and the present. You know the not yet things you're doing in them. Thank you that we all have an equally important calling as part of your body. But thank you that you do call people into roles of leadership or, or roles that are more fully a part of our life as a primary calling. In a world where we've seen pastor after pastor fall, we've seen um, difficulty with missions, parachurch organizations mess up, where we question, you know, is it even necessary anymore? I still think, God, that you have a call on people's life, just like in the New Testament, the apostles and the church leaders who, who led and discipled and helped, some doing t preaching, teaching, some doing practical, hands-on um, ministry, some in hospitality, some in organization, whatever it may be. Father, I pray for those who are having a stirring in their heart uh, for, for sports or, or music or people or um, new Canadians or, or other cultures for, for helps for any of these things, God. For those who are just 
nervous and not sure, I pray that you continue to work that in so that we can see uh, us be able to commission and launch, mentor and lead more and more kids, teens, young adults and adults into lives of salt shaking. I ask these things in your name. Amen.